Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 58 of the Severe MMA podcast is here. What a week it's been. A tired, a tiresome week, a travelling week, but we've made it back in one piece. Andrew McGatton here, joined as always by my beautiful host. And I call him the host, he's not a co-host. Mm. Sean uh, leads really, this show. Yeah, it's really my show. It's really the Sean Sheehan show at this stage, to be fair. Everyone in Vegas, where's Sean? Same, same shit again. If, if they weren't asking me why I didn't have a red and black shirt on, they were saying, where's Sean? We don't listen to the podcast for you, we listen to the podcast for Sean. Some wise people over in Vegas. Heartbreaking. And mm. then, to finish it all off, to make matters worse, a young man sprinted. I don't want to say ran, galloped. He sprinted from the other side of the casino over to us. Big fan, big fan, how are you doing, how are you doing? And then Pizzi starts walking off. Turns out, he was a fan of Pizzi's. And it was Pizzi that he was running over to talk to. That's, he saw me, can't be true. said hello, and it's like, sure, I like Pizzi better anyway. And I've never seen a happier Peter Carroll in my life. Do you remember that? That happened at UFC Dublin as well. And then we met that same guy later on, and he, he said he was taking the piss because Pizzi said, oh, you're not coming up to say hello to me, are you? And then he goes, he was like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan, Pizzi. Huh? And he's like, I, I only have like, to go now. <laughs> I only like you because I saw you on the podcast once with the lads. That's <laughs> He got his victory in Hooters. I was uh, I, I was left. It was very funny. I didn't see it. It didn't happen. The um, that uh, that got me interrupted. Where was I? Uh, what was I going to tell you about? Um, oh, beaniebasher.com. That's Beanie what Basher. it was. Beaniebasher.com. Uh, it was out in Las Vegas last week. Dave Fogarty is actually okay at them. Um, still, I'm getting there. My hand-eye coordination is getting better, but. If, you, if you've seen it on our videos, you want to know more about it, you want to get one. More importantly, order many of them. Order 10 of them. www.beaniebasher.com It is a fun, addictive hand-eye coordination tool for martial artists. To be honest, I'll let you in on a secret. You don't have to be a martial artist to use them. You just need to want to have a bit of crack hitting a ball. And was that a fair enough estimation, Sean? Yeah, like you got a bit of exercise, you know. It's brilliant. I'm yeah. a big fan. £10. Cheap postage and packaging that will ship absolutely anywhere around the world. And I want to say, I want to meet the man who does it on the videos at the start of the Severe videos because he's obviously very good at it. He knows what he's at. Yeah. Maybe get a wee private lesson off him. I don't know where it's going to go. Crab McGann. Crab McGann hasn't really like set the world alight just yet. Yeah. Uh, you need someone like that, though, to get on board with you to start training people. Like. What? Your, like your man's, like hand, your man, your man's yeah. hand speed? Oh, yeah. Or an Israeli, preferably an Israeli, because Ego, they... Igor Partal. What? Igor Partal. Did you say that wrong? Since Partal. Since Partal. Oh yeah, no, is is he Israeli? He is, yeah, I think so. Um, he is, yeah, because he said he was on with Ariel, and Ariel asked him is he getting any love in Israel. Oh, uh, yeah, and they were being chummy. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Okay, well, we, I'll I'll put feelers out. My people will contact his people. Maybe mm-hmm. we could bring him. Uh, maybe we could bring him on board. My topic for you today, Sean, though. Yeah, go on. It's one of the worst things on the internet at the moment. But it's also one of the best. Yeah. Do you know when people put up fake Facebook chats? Yeah. Like, I'm in my shed. Have you not seen that that one, no? 
Uh, so on. it's like it's an in, it's a picture of an Indian guy and his name is I'm in your shed. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen and that. And it's messages being like, "Get you're not in my shed, mate. I just checked." So people are making fake accounts to make jokes on that. So this is one that I saw today. Okay, it's Leanish, yeah. right? So Lee Anish, L E I G H A N N I S, and the messages say, "Leanish go kermach other screwed paper na trekora." August a cashna like Oh my god, it's the Irish listening exam. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. You don't remember it? It's too far away. It's ten years now since I did my fucking Irish. Oh, it doesn't matter. That should be imb- like I I completely balls up the pronunciation of that. I know that Leganish Gokurmach. Oh Leganish. Oh Exactly. Yeah, okay. I had to say it in your man's voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. I was like, what, what the fuck does that mean? Oh. Here's an interesting fact. I got a hundred percent of my Irish oral. How? I don't know. Do you know the way you can go and check your exams afterwards? I got all mine checked and I added it up because you can't get the result of your Irish oral. You can only get the result of the written papers. So, so I added it up, I and the only way I got the result I got is if I'd gotten a hundred percent of my Irish oral. I've um, I found the video of your man saying it, but well, so the, the top comment underneath it was, uh, "I was waiting for the massive beep after you said Leganish Kukuramak." <laughs> We, loads of people have a clue what you're talking about. Now. Oh yeah, no, the Americans are lost. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry already, but that's a throwback. You see, we're coming into leaving cert season. Yeah. What what what, what, what uh, language did you do for your leaving cert? French. Me too. Did when you were doing your French and Irish oral, did you like say words of Irish in your French oral no. and words of French in your no? They're, I think they were separated and uh, like well enough for me that I wasn't like doing one one day after the other. Um, I know my French oral was probably better. It was much better than my Irish oral. I was yeah. uh, I was decent enough at the El Francais. You know, I, know I was I was a, I had yeah. a deft touch, a soft tongue. One of the lads goes, uh, I gotta go. I can't remember which one it was. We'll just say if it was me, like I can't remember who it was, but in their French oral, they're like, I've no <laughs> just we Sean O'Shea <laughs> said their Irish name, but like just we. Oh, brilliant! But loads of people that did that when I was when I was doing it. But yeah, what did you get in your? Uh, what did you get in French? So in your leaving cert? A B and pass. Fuck's sake! Yeah, I got why? a. I think I got a C two in honors. Wow! Wow! Cool. So you know more verbs than I did, and you were able to write you a better were, letter. Hold on, you were the one going around saying you were good. Oh, why? You, why does it always have to come back to me, Sean? Listen, how many points you get in your leaving cert? Three ninety. I can't even remember what I got. I think I got like four fifty. Oh wow, Sean! Big yeah. deal, like lately. <laughs> Big dick player. What was your best result? Um, you drawn fucking English page on Facebook, so you better have got a fucking A one in that. I did a what? Remember you drew William Wordsworth? Yeah, like. but having a William Wordsworth Facebook page prevented me from getting anywhere in English what? because I wasn't. I made that page two weeks before the leaving cert and spent most of the day <laughs> on it. I did no studying up to my leaving cert because of that fucking Facebook page. Yeah, I realized I was, I did arts, so I was like three, three forty-five or something. That was the only Back points I need. So day, I yeah. Yeah, I realized I didn't need any points. So I didn't really have to work for my leaving cert at all. You should be I able to go. distribute your points. To friends who didn't get courses so they can come to college <laughs> yeah. with you. Because the whole system's a joke to begin with. 
Now, if you get me started on it, and we're not, because we've far too much anime <coughs> to talk about today, but yep. the leave insert, like, education in general is just a pile of shite, Sean. <laughs> Do you know now, what I now not for stuff like being a doctor, okay? Fair yeah. enough, but... <laughs> I don't know. Education's all right. Do you know? Do you know what I disagree with? Homework in primary school. I don't think. I don't think kids should have to go in eight, seven or eight hours a day and then go home and do more homework. Like, what could the fuck more are they going to be learning that they didn't learn in the seven or eight hours a day? I think it's bullshit ch- sitting in children home with you know an hour or two of homework when they've been in school all but day. But then when they get into secondary school, and even then. Maybe they're not given enough homework in primary school because when they go into first year, it's a completely different ball game. Yeah, but even like ha- have the children, right? Say if they're seven hours in school, have them do the first six and a quarter hours all like new stuff, and then for the last forty-five minutes, you revise it and you do your homework. Then do it as part of school. Yeah, you could have the option of doing your homework in school. Yeah, I don't like ch- sitting in children home. I mean, like when the children get home, they should be. Go up, take off your uniform, go out and play. Like that, that should be their, you know, when you're when you're making them fucking do homework, you're making them sit at the table and then they're just throwing the television afterwards and they're stuck there dinner, throwing the, you know, PlayStation or something. So this needs to change. I, I have a I, theory, and I'm still. I'll run. I'll run for Fianna Fáil next time. Well, this is uh, this is what I was going to take you on next. The journey just before we get on to MMA. Dave uh, Yogurty, Dave Fogarty came up with a. Uh, we were, we were talking about a state of the nation, you know, just chats yeah. about how the country's in an oh. awful way and what we do to fix it when we become supreme leaders. Dave would not tax any doctors, care workers, nurses, teachers, I think. anything like that because they're, doing a, they're not paid enough. And fair enough, you mightn't be able to afford to pay them all, but just don't tax them. It's like if you're willing to offer massive tax breaks to international companies, why not offer tax breaks to the people that you've got working to, the, to their fingers, like working their fingers to the bone for the country and not getting compensated for it? Or junior doctors that have to work X amount of hours, like our weird contracts and stuff like that. And scrap Jobbridge completely. Get rid of that. That's a load of shite because yeah. it's, it's unfair. Like per, people are doing a job for 50 quid extra in their dole. Yeah. So, like, for me, that's a bit, and it's exploited massively in the radio industry as well. So yeah. that's my uh, that's my main gripe with it. Yeah. That's true. Where would you get the money back then? How would I get the money back? Yeah. Well, this is obviously this is the natural progression. So my head then went to, okay, if property got us into this mess, property is how we sustain it, right? So all the hospitals have to buy hundreds of houses, right? And rent the houses out to their staff. Because a hospital is always going to have staff. And staff are always going to need somewhere to live. So rent the hospitals, rent the houses for cheap out to the staff. So you're guaranteed money coming in at all times. And they'll eventually pay for themselves. Maybe unsound economics in there somewhere, Sean. But that's why I'm not a, a, a politician. As someone with a degree in economics... Uh, like that. Your theory there boils down to having a whole new bunch of employees who don't already have houses, which like is not going to happen because you know. If we evict them from their own houses first, <laughs> Sean. <coughs> but there's a big thing that um, giving incentives for nurses and doctors and stuff to to um, retire early and bring in younger ones. 
that's that's kind of a thing that needs to be done, I think, and in schools especially as well, because there's so many young oh, yeah. nurses and doctors and, and teachers and stuff who can't get jobs. You see, teachers are the ones that are affected the most because young, like I know my friend yesterday got a, um, he's moving to Dubai in August to go over and teach over there. Yeah. And you're very hard, like if you get in somewhere in, in Ireland, it's unlikely that you're going in permanent, you're going in on bad money. Yeah. And I think student development, like we all know, remember when you were in school and there was one, say there might be four English teachers to a year and you had the shit English teacher. Not yeah. that I had a shit English teacher, but some there was always a bad one in school. So, and it was usually an older teacher. And that teacher has been held back. Those students are being held back because this teacher who's now in her 20th or, or his 20th year of teaching is on ridiculous money because he signed a contract, because they've signed a contract years and years ago. It goes up every year, and they're just doing the bare minimum. They keep feeding yeah. out the same things to the kids. Whereas these newer teachers are like, I don't know, they're the same people who passed out at an electric picnic four years ago from taking ease. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They've got a different perspective on life. They've a di- I don't know, I think the older teachers can be really good most of the time. Well, like they example. can, especially when it comes to predicting stuff like exams or for exams like history. Do you know what I mean? I had an older teacher for history and she was unbelievable. But I think for stuff like English where you're maybe trying to broaden your cultural wings or that made no sense. But you know what I mean? If you're trying to be know. a flower, a wee, a wee writer, like, or you want to get in, like, there is no direct avenue in secondary schools for people to have an interest in media or like, some creative some sort of because the way that the exams are set out in my school like we had a career guidance officer and she was just a fucking she didn't care like so you'll do arts yeah yeah. oh yeah like you'll probably (laughs) not get the points for that i'm I'm unfortunate like we know yeah you'll be a nurse You'll be, you'll do arts, you know. Oh, what do you like? I like economics. I lo- what, do you, what subjects are you going to? I like economics. Oh, go and do economics in, in school. Like, like I always loved, like, sports and stuff, but I was never obviously going to play sports or anything. But I was like, oh, like, people would have known that I always loved sports and stuff, but no, I was never, like, pushed towards doing, like, sports journalism or stuff. I just, like, I always thought that was, like, never a fucking thing that would be possible. So, Does this yeah. sound like a... It sounds like you had a tear-filled rant with a guidance counsellor. You don't no, understand she, me! She actually sounded like that. Nobody <laughs> knows what I want! No, our class was just a joke, to be honest. Oh, you we had a class? Oh, no, we had a class, guidance. Yeah. No, you and had to book the guidance counsellor in our school. Oh, yeah, you had to book the fucking idiot in high school as well, but no one ever booked her. <laughs> she, was, oh, she was the worst, like, seriously. It was actually, like, she shouldn't have been in a job. She hadn't a clue what she was doing. But anyway, but just before we get off this, I'm telling me, who do you think is going to be the next government? You're the man now in the know. You're I'm the, not the, the din- man in the know. Unf- you are. You're the dynasty. You're going to be running in a few years. I'm actually raging that I didn't get a single election poster this time because I can't be at that anymore. And it's not even for myself. It's because my brother's a councillor. So we so. used to, back in, back in the teenage hoodlums, you know. Not that I ever physically took one off a pole because that's illegal, Sean. But sometimes the wind would take them off poles. And when they're on the ground, you just like what? Yeah, I I've actually have a good story. Do you want to hear it? I do. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in college, right? Uh, there was this. We I lived in Cork, right? I went to college in Cork, and there was this uh, garage. It was twenty four hours, and it was like out the road from us, about half a mile out the road. So sometimes you're in the middle of the night, you'd fucking you get hungry or something, you go for a bag of potatoes and stuff. So we went out there one night, myself and one of the lads. Um, 
like we weren't no we hadn't been drinking or anything we were just like up all night playing fucking FIFA or something so we went out there on the way back there was it was during the election whatever election it was and there was like one of the signs is down uh, on the ground it was actually down we didn't pull it down and um we were we were like, geez, that'd look good in our front window, wouldn't it? And we were like, yeah, great. So we we said we'd pick it up and take it home. So we picked it up anyway, and he he picked it up and was walking with it, and I had the bags of shit or whatever we had. And then um, it's like a real long mile road, so you can see it's actually called the long mile road. I think is it? Yeah, I think so. And um, you could the guards came along, right? And he <laughs> fucked the sign right at me. He's like, I'm not taking the fucking heat for this man. And then he <laughs> ran away. And I was like, what? The f- you're not taking the heat for what? You know what they're going to fucking do to you? Like, they're going to put you away for fucking 10 years for picking up a sign. Like, what the fuck? Unreal. That, I That's... never heard the end of that for about six months after that. It was brilliant. I, um, I don't particularly care, like, who's going to be in the next government. It'll just be whoever. It'll probably collapse within a year and there'll be another election. It's uh, it's crazy to me to think that like Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil are very similar. I don't even know. I I tried not to look at anything like that while I was away. I was in my own little dreamland. What's going to happen? I think it's going to be Fianna Fáil. I think there'll be a re-election because Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael won't agree. Yeah, to be start. a coalition. And then they'll say when the same thing happens after the next election, they'll say, "Look, Sinn we have Fein. to do this. No, no, we have to do this to save the country." And then Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael got together. I think that's what'll happen. I think they're like uh, Siamese beasts. Yeah, it's they're they're far too similar. Like they're looking after vested interests. A minority government is actually what would be best. Like if Fianna Gael were like led a minority government, that would give independent people actual voices. Like why yeah. not appoint an actual? Um, I know what you're like, saying Mike, you know Michael, I mean? Healy, Michael Healy ref for T-shirt Yeah I agree Why, uh, The answer's simple Like just Jerry Adams Minister for Imports and Exports You know A lovable face The man that wants to sit down And tell you a story Fiction no doubt And uh, Would just Patch it Oh he's he's, a, he's an Irish grandfather And he's deceptively Like he's deceptively warm looking so people from other countries would see him and think, there's no bother about this boy. So we keep him <laughs> away from everyone like within the country. And then just have actual doctors. And I think Leo, who's in charge? Who's the Minister for Health? I think they're actually a doctor, are they? Leo Varadkar. No, it used to be James... Uh, James, James Riley. Yeah, but he's yeah. done. He lost his seat as well. So now what's Leo Varadkar? Like a primary school teacher or something like that. Why do you have primary school teachers in charge of health? It should be actual people in actual places instead of just... I'm a minister, so I am in charge of this. James Gallagher, I actually think I wouldn't be you no know, big Fine Gael follower, anything, but he actually was doing a good job. I think both the health is just such a fucking shit show that no matter Anyone what that you takes do, it on, you're yeah. screwed. Like, like he's tried to ban, like ban smoking and different things, like which I'm I'm all down for, and he did loads of different things. But I don't know. There's nothing you can do really. Finally, on that, right? We're coming up to twenty minutes. Um. The best way to get the country out of debt, in your opinion, go. As an economist. Um, I said that wrong. Economist. I think the best thing to do... Oh, jeez, I don't know. I, 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 I can uh, read your mind, Sean. Oh. Hashtag free the green. <laughs> no, I, like, I think... You know the way they're giving loads of tax incentives and stuff to, to Facebook and, and Twitter and all those? Yeah. I think you give more tax incentives to bring bigger businesses because like America hate that stuff like oh fair fair enough we're losing out on like the 
you know the big tax breaks but how many people are employed by by facebook and twitter in ireland and stuff like i think it's worth like uber are coming to limerick now they're going to employ they? a shitload of people they're already yeah. there yeah my mate like, works with them yeah. and we have a podcast listener who works in uber and limerick as well there you go the ubers for sean People seem to hate that, or like, oh, they're getting tax breaks and stuff in Ireland. But yeah, think about it in the bigger picture. They're employing a shitload of people. So that's what you want. Give them further tax breaks. Like, uh, Apple, I think, are abusing it a little bit because, as far as I know, like, <laughs> there's a shitload of people working at Apple who do absolutely nothing and are basically just there because, you know, because they want to fucking, uh, they want to abuse the system and pay tax here rather than America. But, like, I think Facebook and Google and them are actually, you know, actually employing people. So if you could get bigger businesses, like, you know, there's a lot of the, uh, what sort of, you know, people who make tablets and all shit like that, pharmacy, um, you could get a lot more of them, I think. And uh, spread it around the country as well. Like, as as Michael Healy rested the other day. Yeah, but later. Facebook aren't going to want to set up their HQ in Athlone. Let's be honest. Well, like, they Hi, easily, Google Europe here. Westport. They could easily set it up in Cork, like, or they could set it up in Galway, Cork. or they could set it up in Limerick. Like, you're all you need is an airport. You're right alongside an airport. You're right alongside a port. And you know, there's a port there in Fines, not far from Shannon. There's a port in Cork. You know, so easy. Set not, up like, the shit companies in the shit place of Ireland. The country doesn't end that the fucking red car roundabout. Exactly, Sean. Fuck Dublin. Hashtag fuck Dublin. <laughs> Anyway, we'll get on to my uh, my economic bill next week because okay. um, we're we're running. It was based off experiences in Vegas this week. <laughs> I don't think my economics bill is going to be too good. Give give more incentives to big business. Yeah, no. Look, <laughs> it's left to feel, Sean, but we have to try something. Do you know, yeah. anything will work at this stage, yeah. right? Sin City this weekend, UFC one nine six. Unfortunately, Conor McGregor came up short in his quest, one seventy pounds against Nate Diaz. Where do we start, Sean? Who do we blame? Who are we pointing fingers at here? Where are the mob going first? I blame Dave. I Fogarty. have my pitchforks. Dave Fogarty was the Dave Fogarty was the added one into the camp there, and he lost that because of that. That's what I think. Anyway, look at him all Thanks over. Thanks very much better. for tuning in, folks. That's it now. In a nutshell, you can blame David Fogarty. <laughs> Dave Fogarty, you know. But just before we get into fighting stuff, how was the how was Vegas and like how was. I think Bother tweeted there's visibly less Irish people there in, in the crowd than there was the last time. Yeah, there was about, I would guess, looking at the crowd for the McGregor fight, I'd say there was anywhere between two and a half to 3,000 Irish people there. But there was a lot of support for Connor, and maybe there was Irish-Americans, maybe there was all of that there. But yeah. to me, like the travelling rowdy, sort of cheering groups with tricolours, like having a great laugh, there was about two and a half thousand. Maybe I'm overestimating that. I'm not too sure, but there was it was visibly quieter. The Wayans were quieter, although still a massive crowd at the Wayans. So there's there is that. The arena was kind of split just before Connor came out. There was a lot of boos from the American fans, but the Irish were able to drown them out when they wanted to get going. But definitely a buzz, a little bit of a, a lack of a buzz, for a better word, around the MGM maybe from Thursday evening, as there usually would have been. Yeah. What did you think of Finch get? What did you think? I don't know. I'm not too... like. People are like, oh, that's a flinch. But other people say, no, that's a reaction because he's so skilled. It was <laughs> so the trained. same. It's one and the same. Like, really. yeah. yeah. So it's like, it can be a flinch because you're scared or it can be a flinch because you're about to react for combat. Well, I don't, like, I don't know I, what it was. I don't think honest. any of those lads are scared, but I think that's like a mental thing. You know, if you... Like, if you... Jaw like you're going to hit someone and then someone flinches. I, like... 
I'm the, I take absolutely no notice of these. Like even when you know it's more like when Rousey did that thing against home, I I took really no notice of it. I took less notice of it maybe than it should. But it was, like it's definitely talking point for for some people. Like the you know he definitely flinched. Like it was a big flinch, and it, Diaz was miles away from him. But I don't think that affected the fight. Diaz but, started laughing though from the flinch. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and like the, you could see the, like the crowd visibly kind of oh. He's, you know, McGregor usually gets on the front foot. But Aldo kind of did the same to him, you know. Aldo did the big pause thing and kind of, that's two wins now in a row that McGregor has kind of been put in the back foot. Like, obviously it didn't matter against Aldo. I don't think it mattered against Diaz, really. But um, before he came out, this, he said changed his song and he would no green shorts. He what? He changed his song. He he walked out like El Chapo. Or he, he walked out to a song El Chapo. Yeah. He, had, uh, he didn't have the championship <laughs> shorts. He better start believing in superstition, Sean, because yeah. there's too many changes. Too many changes, definitely. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I'm only messing. I do think from uh, from the flinch to the wins, it was just something was off, and I don't think it's a. Uh, I may be completely wrong with this, but just an idea that I was throwing around maybe the day after, just when we were discussing. Connor didn't have to cut weight this time. And from seeing like what he's like healthy to what he has to get down to, it must be a really excruciating cut. It's it's a horrible cut, and he always makes it, and fair enough. But while you're going through the last 24 to 36 hours of that cut, you can imagine a sort of a coldness going over him. Do you know, that's when he's getting focused. That's when he's reminding himself every minute of the day until he can have until he can rehydrate again, why he's doing this. You get a more of a steelier focus, like a steel determination, tunnel vision, like this is what I'm going to do. And that's why he always spoke about making weight and the fight was won. And I think that had a big part in it as well. I think the comfort, he was there, he was taken out of his comfort zone. By, or he was, he was put in a comfort zone, I should say. By no means, if we're looking analytically at the fight, was he flat-footed. But for Conor McGregor, he was basically flat-footed. Yeah. There was no of his, of his in and his outs and his footwork and his lateral movement. And I was looking at it thinking, is something wrong with him? Has he hurt himself again? Like, similar to the Mendez fight. But, like, he, he was doing all of that stuff at the open workouts during the week. So I think it was, there was a couple of things, I think, that cost him the fight especially that happened during the fight. I think he was, you could argue that he was... He won eight minutes of a seven and a half minute, or sorry, he won seven and a half minutes of an eight minute fight, or whatever it was. He wasn't. He was doing quite well in the fight technically up till a certain point, but I never thought we'd be sitting here dissecting it that Conor would have lost in the way that he lost. Um, I think he lost because of himself. To be honest, I think he made terrible, terrible errors, and uh, like I think this is a fight he looked back on years and like. What, what was I thinking? Like you said there, he could have been injured. It, 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 like it looked either like something like that happened or it looked like he totally underestimated Diaz altogether. And like it was kind of a vain thing. He wanted to go out and he wanted to stand in the pocket with him and he wanted to trade. Like personally, when I was watching it, that's what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking like... He, when, when I wrote my analysis of this fight, when we talked about it last week, someone after that, someone actually asked me what happens if this fight takes part, place in the pocket? And I was like, that's not going to happen. Like, Conor McGregor's not going to do that. Why, why would he fight in the pocket with, with Nate Diaz? That'd be the stupidest thing you could do. And then that's what happens. Uh, I just, like, I couldn't believe when, when he actually did it. Like, 
and the weird thing was he was winning that fight in the pocket against Nate Diaz. Like he was beating Diaz up. People talk about the the range battle, and I'll get into that in a second. But like he was c- catching Diaz with most of the shots he was throwing. But the problem was he was throwing one throwing them all with like a hundred percent. I think he threw twenty eight shots in that first round, and like a good fifteen or twenty of them were one hundred percent head seeking shots. Like he said before about loading up with shots, you know, people come in and they um they overthrow their shots. That's exactly what he was doing. And when you have twenty five extra pounds on your back and you're throwing shots like that for whatever it was, eight minutes, you can't keep going. I don't care who you are, the best cardio in the world. You just can't you can't sustain that. You can't keep going and, and um that uh that kind of out in the end. But I I had a line kind of prepared, but Conor Rebush robbed it for me last night. He, well, he didn't rob it for me, but he wrote he did the same thing, and he wrote an article that McGregor. Do you remember McGregor's thing? Uh, precision beats power, timing beats speed. Yeah, I think that was proved in this fight that that to be true, and like he just went for all out power, and it didn't work. And he went to outspeed Diaz with his head movement, and it didn't work. Like McGregor gave up all his trump cards, what he's best at, what McGregor's great at. He's standing out of the pocket, jumping in, hitting guys, getting out. That's his best. He's moving. He's lateral moving, staying away from strikes. His head movement. In this one, he stood in the pocket and he went to war with Diaz. And still like used he, good head movement. It still used good head movement. Like, as I say, he was winning it. But against Diaz, you only win that for so long if you don't finish him. And he couldn't finish him. Uh, and Like, there's one of those great say- sayings in, in fighting that if you go for the KO and you don't get the KO you're going to lose. You don't win fights if you go for the KO and you and you don't get it, you know? And that that's exactly what happened with him. He gassed and, um, as I say, you know, it was, uh, once, once that happened, I think it was all over. Question for you. Go on. Did Diaz get in his head? No. What made Conor McGregor fight like that when he doesn't normally fight like that? Was he possessed with getting a finish? Was he intent... On beating, on knocking out the guy that has never been knocked out the way he wanted to knock him out. I think he thought it'd be easy. That's that. I, I could be wrong now, but I think one of the great things about Conor McGregor that I always respected most was that in the cage, he had the utmost respect for all of his all of his um, opponents. Like outside of the cage, fair enough. You like. If you want to criticize the way he talks and everything, that's fair enough. But I don't think there was ever any criticism of him inside the cage for how he prepared. You like even the likes of Dennis Seaver, who wouldn't, you know, obviously wouldn't be no disrespect to Dennis Seaver, but wouldn't be as good. I think he even respected him a lot. Like Jose Aldo, the way he fought, he okay, didn't last long, but he respected him. That has he to didn't, fight him, and it's from yeah. a, his point of view of you have to go through this. I'm sorry. But it's grand saying that. But when you actually get in there and proving it, I think he's every other time he's done it. But this time, it it looked to me like he didn't have an like. When I say respect, I mean respect for like Diaz's ability to beat him. If you know, what I mean. like I think he respects Diaz as a person and as a fighter and everything like that. Don't get me wrong. But like I think he thought it was going to be easy. I think he thought he'd just go in there and knock him out, and that and that'd be it. But you can't play that game with Diaz. Like lo- and lots of people were saying that beforehand, and we said it on here last week. You don't underestimate Nate Diaz like that. And I think people, even I underestimated his chin because I thought McGregor would have, like if if I was told McGregor not landed, however, like eight or ten full-on shots 
I would have said, oh yeah, okay, he won the fight. But no, Nate Diaz, like, I think, okay, we've spoken here about the, for the first 10 minutes or whatever about McGregor's game not being, you know, it, it was his mistakes the last in the fight, but you have to hand it to Nate Diaz as well. What an unbelievable chin on him and just unbelievable heart. Like McGregor said at the pre-fight press conference, this is, we both have the same will and this is going to come down to skill. But it didn't. It came down to Nate Diaz's will when it won him the fight, in my opinion. He was just, you know, it was unbelievable the way he he took everything, stayed in it with 11 days notice. And when McGregor, um, when McGregor wilted, he just took over and absolutely dominated. Do you think that maybe things that were said... Is Diaz the type of guy that gets motivated by things? Would he have seen, like, uh, I know the Diaz brothers don't give a fuck, but surely, like, I, I can remember because it was retweeted, like, obviously the bad part of the internet went uh, scrolling through John Cavanaugh's Twitter, and almost immediately after the fight, his old tweets were retweeting on my timeline, and it was when it was uh, dice taking that many punches from someone who can actually hit hard wouldn't end well. Hashtag be careful what you wish for. Yeah, something like, like that. Now that sort of stuff will come back, and I think maybe any sort of abuse that Connor's getting is is coming back off things that have kind of been said. Like when he said, uh, "I don't know if it was Connor or John said when they get hit, they turned into panic grapplers," and then yeah. that's just what, what everyone was saying at the weekend. So it's like Connor's. Stock has not fallen because of this loss, because of how he handled himself post-fight. But I definitely think you won't see as many outlandish statements coming forward in case something I like this will. happens. Do you? Yeah, that's like that's how he built himself, and I think, especially like it seems like everyone's rooting for the Aldo fight. We, we can talk about that later on. But if if he fights Jose Aldo next, like he's gonna have ammunition for Jose Aldo like of course Aldo's gonna say oh you just lost you can't say anything McGregor's gonna say you know McGregor's gonna come back I knocked you out it's it's (laughs) ridiculous like the stuff that Aldo's putting up like if he has someone doing that for him then uh, well look that's not to take anything away from Diaz because I want to get back to that point I just think that I think now we're actually gonna see a different Conor McGregor still a confident Conor McGregor and very bold in his predictions but I think his um I think he will appreciate a lot more now after that. I don't know, after that loss. I think there actually is still a lot of questions to be answered about Conor McGregor's games. And not so much questions. Just cracked a cold one. Did you? Steve Austin style? Yeah. It's not so much questions, but more unknowns. Like, when, like I think I've probably written more about Conor McGregor um, from a, a technical standpoint, from like an analysis standpoint, than maybe anyone in the world. And when I write... Like, every time I write, it's like, wrestling, it's kind of an unknown. Jiu-jitsu is kind of an unknown. Uh, you know, and, uh, like, we spoke about it last week. Someone asked, how is he going to be when he gets into the later rounds and stuff? First thing on the wrestling, the jiu-jitsu. Okay, there wasn't much wrestling in, in this fight. But the jiu-jitsu, okay, he did very, very well in the first round. And you can probably talk about that more than me. It's called, like, a, an X-guard, oh, single yeah. leg X-guard, something like that. The, w- the one thing I never want to see again is people questioning Connor's jiu-jitsu. I don't know. I think there's still a question about it. Where do you think there's still a question like, about it? Okay, he's he was hurt and he he was fucked in the second round and all. But guys have been in that position before and they haven't been as beaten easily as he was. Maybe, like against, maybe Connor I, has never been in the like, and I'll just count. Like I'll try problem. counter everything devil's advocate style. Yeah. Connor has never been as rocked in a grappling situation in his life yeah. because of the way, maybe because of the way SBG train, maybe because they don't train like that anymore. Maybe because none of them can do that to him. 
But in a fight, Connor has never been that visibly damaged put in those grappling situations. Yeah, and that brings on the next point about... He needs like, to spin around 50 times in training and then go to the ground. <laughs> I, do you know what I always thought as well? How do people train for when they're covered in blood? I was like, do, you know, do people think about that? You know, they cover every base. How do they do yeah, that? I don't know. Like, I was like, if I was thinking about doing that, like, I was like, I'd want to be, get like fucking, Catch you know, up. whatever they get for wrestling back in the day. Cut yourself in the head. <laughs> Just take the bump. No, take the bump, yeah. But anyway, um, another big thing is, as you said, there he's never been in that position before. Like in all of his fights, he's never been in a position where he has been really up against it, like hurt, and had to come back and and you know and win a fight. Like fair enough, the Chapmanas fight, but Chapmanas didn't really have him near finished or anything at any stage. Like you know, like he had when when Diaz caught him with the with the big left hand, and like. In that position, some people can come through it, and he didn't come through it. So I'd say that, like, if you're a fan of McGregor, that'd be a little bit of worry, even though there's a lot of extenuating circumstances. So we don't know if that's an issue or not. But, like, we won't know that until he goes through, like, 25 minutes against Frankie Edgar or against uh, Jose Aldo or someone like that. You know, when you know when he doesn't have 25 pounds extra and he's back and, and stuff like that. So I think there's, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of things there that are still to be answered. Um, just another thing on the range. I, a lot of people said that he struggled with the range against Diaz. Personally, I don't think he did, to be honest, and with the lint and the range of Diaz. I think he was, even though, like as I said before, he was fighting in the pocket and he shouldn't have done that. I think he still won that battle in the pocket, for the most part, until he I got fired. I think he won, he won yeah. when it was close quarters, but he was affected when, it, when there was distance. I don't. Even, I don't even think he was really effective when there, there was distance. Like there Diaz was, was catching of, him with a, with a couple of counter hooks, and he was catching him with with a couple of jabs. But there was nothing major. Like he like Diaz didn't catch him with one big shot until he got tired, and until he caught that one big shot that put him in. Like his hands were just totally down. But I think the the problem was that McGregor was fighting. He said himself, and that that's if like if you're a McGregor fan, that should be the, the biggest thing you take from it. The fact that he knows exactly what he did wrong. Like he said it. In the octagon after that, he was inefficient with you know with his moving stuff for that weight, and I think that won't be as big a problem when he goes down again. So you know there's the thing there, but you know I still I still go back to the fact that he thought he was going to knock him out, and you know it was a terrible terrible game plan. Um, you know the, the SPG lads and McGregor himself speaks speak often speak about not having a game plan, just going in and doing what they feel, and like. I hope that's not true for like for anyone, not just McGregor, for any any fighter. But if he like if he did go in with that, you know, you you should have a game plan against Nate Diaz. Like he's no joke of a fighter, and I like this is not revisionist history. We said it last week as well. He's no joke of a fighter. So, um, yeah. So what, what do you think? Striking wise, I had a couple of a couple of thoughts on the fight, yeah. and it was compounded by the fact that I actually only watched the fight today for the first time outside of watching it live in the arena. Yeah. So, I think there was a sequence in the first round. John said yesterday in the MMA hour that Connor was coming back to the corner and he was breathing very heavy. And he has watched Connor do endless amounts of rounds and he's never breathed heavy. And that was a question mark. With from the fourth, from four minutes left in the round until three minutes left in the round, there was five shots that consisted of either a right cross either going for it or a feint into a left 
either straight or a looping hook, like an overhand left, where he drops his right shoulder and brings the left over. 352, 334, 319, 308 and 301. Connor, la- Connor went for four kill shots in the space of a minute. Five kill shots in the space of a minute. Two of them hit Nate on the chin, but Nate was rolling with it. And yeah. you, John spoke about that yesterday. I think the way Diaz was able to roll with Connor's punches yeah, as huge, opposed yeah. to take them straight on was the game changer because it was when Connor got caught with the straight right from Nate, that was a straight on punch. That was when the leg wobbled. Do you know what I mean? And the, the, the difference, even going back to Gunnar Nelson's fight when he had the long curly hair and he took a shot in the last couple of seconds against Santiago and everyone was like, oh, he was nearly finished. I was like, he wasn't. He went with the shot completely. Most of the power went out of his face. The energy went out of his face and his hair just flopped everywhere. So I think from that, uh, like it's completely pointless for me to say he should have done this. He should have done this. He was really bad at this because I maybe like you don't know the circumstance. I've never been in a fight. I don't know like why he didn't do this or why he didn't do that. But the one shot that he threw so well that looked like it worked so so well as well was a how many times did I say well there in, in <laughs> like fifteen seconds? He threw a left hook to the body and he attacked the body sporadically in the fight. I thought he was gonna and Nate was very good at blocking his body. And then being able to use his range to pepper Connor when he thought Connor was going to be attacking that area. But Connor landed a left hook to the body that you could see it. it cr- not that it crumpled Nate, but he felt the big <coughs> time. And I think Nate countered with a straight right or a right cross off it. And yeah. that was Connor didn't attack the body again. It was like it, it put him off. And I think the next time he attacked the body was with the leg kick that got him taken down. In a, or the the kick to the body in the first round that got him taken down into the single leg X position. So, yeah. w- speaking with a couple of guys and speaking with yourself over the last week, I think Connor's best attribute in his whole game is his shot selection, and I think it was the thing that let him down the most at the weekend. And whether it was his yeah. lack of movement, lack of in and outness to be able to set up these shots that we've seen him. I think if Conor McGregor were to fight Nate Diaz this week with a completely different game plan, there's a chance he could win over five rounds. Because it's unlike, after watching that, it's unlikely that you're going to put uh, Nate Diaz out from the shots that Conor was loading up on. I think if the fight took place at £155, it wouldn't have made much of a difference because Conor still would have went in with that game plan as well. That's, maybe, actually, that's a good point. Maybe this is the, the loss in Conor's career that he needs, because as you say, to go in without a game plan, this may be the time in Connor's career where he thinks, but a game plan can help me beat these guys. Now, I, I'm not sure if he does actually go in without a game plan, but this time it, it seemed like he kind of did. Like, he just went in and ver- it off. So the, people have different definitions of game plans. You know, there are some gyms that would be like, okay, this guy's going to come out, we're going to only double leg him, or we're only going to set up our strikes off this. Otherwise, we're going to keep striking until we get the opportunity to set up this double leg, this single leg, this trip. That's awful. That is stupid. Because then what happens when the guy comes out and he hasn't been training that, he hasn't been a wrestler in the last while, and um, he just, you know, I can see where it happens for that. But maybe for someone like Nate Diaz, you'd have specific entries or specific shots picked out from and maybe they did and it was just they were the ones that were landing but Nate was able to take them all like I think Josh Thompson set the blueprint on how to beat Nate Diaz really like you be elusive and hit him with shots when you can like you pick him off a shot you like you don't load up in big shots don't get into a firefight with him in the pocket like I'm a great you know, if anyone listens to me here or reads any of my nobody analysis, listens stuff, to you or no, reads nobody your listens analysis. 
No, that's true. But I'm a kind of a big picture type guy. You know, I think the small things will often take care of themselves. They can be, they, small things can turn into big things. But, like, I think range and how you set yourself out is the biggest thing in MMA, to be honest. And McGregor, as I said, Lewis earlier on, he gave up all his trump cards. Like, you ask someone, what's McGregor good at? He's good at throwing his jab Fight. and he's and he's straight left. Didn't really throw much of that. He was throwing big overhands. He was throwing the big ball up punch, the uppercut. Just kind of gave up his jab and his straight left. Like he threw a few of them, but not not enough. Kicks. I think he threw up. I think he gave up on them because of ineffectiveness. Because they weren't landed know. the way that he wanted. And I, I disagree with that. I don't like. He also gave up, as you were saying. He's in and out movement, and it's unusual for him because. He doesn't really usually do that, and that's why I think he underestimated he has a little. But what what I like, remember I said he's gonna win by heel heel fucking kick. Went and like I four that, times and hit glove once. But he, he didn't throw half enough kicks, in my opinion. Like he should have been setting out his stall with kicks. He should have been keeping his distance with kicks. That's what like that's how I thought he'd fight. That's how I think most people thought he'd fight against Diaz, but he didn't. And that's how I think a lot of people said he struggled with, with range and he struggled with his length. I think he, I don't actually think he did, even the way it did um, turn out, but I think he could have made it so much easier on himself if he fought the way he normally fights. Like he didn't, he didn't bring what uh, got him to the dance. Like he just kind of gave up on it and decided to fight Diaz's fight. And you don't do that. Like I think the, we didn't speak much about the end of the fight as well. Like in the second half, in the second half of the second round, like you could see there was this one point where Diaz, uh, Diaz was like really, really bloodied up, and McGregor hit him with a beautiful left hand shot, and Diaz kind of got put back by it, but you could see him physically going like, "Not today, motherfucker!" And he kind of stood up and he like threw. These uh, like uh, maybe two combinations at, at McGregor just like walked him down through two combinations, and you could see McGregor like kind of say, "Okay, this is you know I'm I'm in a fucking fight here, kind of for the first time in the in the whole fight." Um, Diaz him with that slap, and he was like, he just the tired slap. Yeah, he just tired totally, and then Diaz, like credit to Diaz, he he put on the he hit him with that beautiful left hand. He hit trap. him straight out like the slap nearly set up the one two. The yeah. slap set up the shots that hurt Connor the most. And from that point, it was just, like Diaz. The, if you say one thing about the Diaz brothers, the fact that they're the way that they fight in terms of that they'll ever get tired, that means when they actually need to pour on a small burst of pressure, they can pour it on for as long as needed until the guy either drops or recovers and disengages himself from the situation. Yeah. So once once Nate smelt blood, he was able to go from zero to a hundred and keep it at a hundred for as long as he needed until Connor went down. Yeah, and I think that's probably how McGregor should have fought. Like, I I spoke to Patrick Wyman about this like a long time ago when I, when he was on he showed um on Twitter about how McGregor's a bit like if you watch boxing, he's a bit like Gennady Golovkin that. And it's kind of changed since that he's not really a one-punch knockout artist, even though he can knock guys out. He obviously has a huge one-punch knockout, but he's more of a guy who'll hit you three or four times, and then he'll hit you with a big punch and knock you out. Like, against Diaz, he didn't try to do that. He, he was big knockout punch all the time. And I think if he had have done that, you know, hit him, he threw a few lovely shots to the body, but just land your straight left, keep landing, like Ivan Bushinger, so I land it down the pocket, land it down, and then bang, big one, that's going to knock him out. Like, you have to soften Diaz up, you're not going to knock him straight out. 
like and I think every you know you know we, we look at fights and we say every shot is getting a little bit less a little bit less a little bit less a little bit easier to take and I think that's kind of the way McGregor McGregor went in this fight until he got tired and like it, the one thing about the the weight as well that I think it's a it's a little bit of a pity that one seventy wins so badly because now he can't drop down to 155 and get a title shot and he has to go back to 145 because I think 155 is his weight class like I don't think he should be fighting it's 170 I said that like all along I don't think he should be fighting at 145 like 155 is his weight class and um, you know it's a pity that uh, Patrick tweeted me on the night it's like it, no, it's, it's kind of an incentive to people not to move up weights and I to try to keep going down I don't know if it's that's you know true but it's definitely you know, it's going to make people wary about going up weight classes and, and not cutting weight. So that's that's one pity about it. Like, I think if this fight was at 155, well, I think if it was against Dos Anjos, like, I still would have picked him to win. I think he would have respected Dos Anjos a lot more than he did against Diaz. Like, unless there was an injury or something that we don't know about. Um, you know, I think I think he probably, you know, he probably would have come in. in like, it, it, there's a lot as well about putting on 15 pounds. Like, he went up from 155 to 170 in the space of 11 days after already going up from 145. I think like, that's a big factor, that he wasn't huge, training yeah. at that yeah. weight for a long period of time to get used to what competing at that weight would be. He was kind of, maybe he was expecting it to go in and out, job done. It's going to be no hassle. We can do it. But I've a, I've a couple of scenarios here to throw out to you, right? One. Number one. Since Ali Abdelaziz has fucked absolutely everything up that he's ever done, he needs to do one thing right. And that's get Dos Anjos' phone and call out Robbie Lawler for UFC 200 to try and become the first two-divisional champion in the UFC. No. To annoy Conor McGregor. That's what he needs to do, first of all. Otherwise, he's not going to get the fight with McGregor. Secondly, Conor should fight Frankie Edgar at UFC 200. I agree. And then, finally, the internet, every publication that took a shot at him ripped into him any irish one in particular are absolute fucking jokes and i don't i don't no 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 fair enough yeah a hundred percent why not i think i think deserves it like uh, i think he fought very badly i think like if people want to criticize him fair enough they should be allowed to criticize him just like if they want to praise him they should be allowed to praise him like i i i don't think it's our job or anyone you know who covers me that to stand up for fighters like that. I don't. I don't think that's you know that's the case. I like. I think he. If people want to criticize him, fair enough. Like, I'd never criticize him for the things he he does outside the cage because I know it's promotions of other people don't recognize that. But for what he did inside the cage on Saturday, I think he deserves plenty of criticism. To be honest, afterwards he was humble, brilliant. Like he always is after all his fights. That's fair enough. But if you want to like. If you want to criticize him, and I think your point is fair enough as well, because people aren't really criticizing him for that uh, as much so as kind of kicking him while he's down. Go on. No, no, that's it. Sorry, <laughs> I just got off. I apologize. I shouldn't have done that. No, no, you're, you're you've made your stance fairly clear here, yeah, Sean. Yeah. Anti McGregor. Oh, I just think I fair. can look. These people can't see you, but I can. I'm looking at you right now. I know you're wearing a two and nine T-shirt. People like <laughs> I can see your camera. Like I can see you. I can see you right now. The lucky Stockton, the, California, bitch. <laughs> Stockton, County Limerick. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say to you then? Shall we move on? Is that enough Conor McGregor related discussion for today? But do you, just before we go, what what do you think should be next for him? What do you think? I know we said Frank Edgar, but 
what I, I, if you're planning out Conor McGregor's year in my head, right? Yeah. Also, on the topic of 155ers, funny story for you. Tony oh. Ferguson made me do push-ups the other day. Did he? I was playing Dave in EA Sports UFC 2 yeah. when we were at the launch. And I was Tony Ferguson and he was Anthony Pettis. Also, he beat me with uh, some flyweight against Paddy Houlihan. So I'm 0-2 at the game. But he... Um, he knocked me out with Anthony Pettis against Tony Ferguson and Tony Ferguson was watching and made me do push-ups for getting knocked out as him. Dead right, my arms. So, it was, I think Dave has a video of it. It's pretty funny. Anyway, That's, what's next from 155 against Frankie Edgar. 155? If 145. If, if we're talking about a perfect scenario here for Conor, he fights at 145 against Edgar. Takes a fight at 155 in Dublin later on in the year for a European event and then either defends his 45 pound belt before the end of the year or goes for a unification at 155 or Connor wins two fights in a row at 45 <coughs> undisputed champion Aldo and Edgar back to back and then looks for the 155 unification fight I still think he's only he's no more than two wins away from the chance of getting a shot at 155 again remember a few weeks ago when we were talking no. about when we were talking about McGregor holding a few belts and you were like planning out his whole year how he's yeah. going to fight six times. What did I say? What Who did cares? I, say? I don't listen to you. What did oh, you No, say? what did I say? I said, you can't lay out plans like this. Never mind. He's going to get oh, injured no, I know, and I'm he's going to lose. But you asked me what the plan is. He said best <laughs> yeah, case scenario. Like, I know. That, yeah, what I'm saying is like these things, like you can only plan one fight at a time in MMA really. Like, and... This this is a big thing for himself and like his team and his management as well to decide what's going to be next. Like John Kavanagh mentioned yesterday, he said he wanted Jose Aldo next, and like I think the, the big thing in that is maybe not for John Kavanagh, but maybe for the fight that's going to be made. The promotion is that um, it's going to be easier for McGregor to kind of promote himself against Jose Aldo because he's already knocked him out. And you know, if Aldo says, "Oh, you got just got knocked out," McGregor can say, "Oh, I, well, I knocked you out." Which is grand, but I, I like I think McGregor has to not prove himself again, but but reassert himself into the position as a really good fighter if he wants to do that. And I think that Frankie Edgar has to be the man. Like he's the one, you know, he's the one in form. He's the one still improving, maybe a little. I don't know if he's improving that much. Like he's still close, close enough to his peak. Uh, not to say Jose Aldo isn't, but Conor McGregor just knocked Jose Aldo out like six months ago. So I think Frankie Edgar has. Is thing, but just on managing his career and stuff like. But remember that show when we did myself, yourself, and Pizzi, and the one where Bader came out with Bader hitting him. Um, we were talking about Dos Anjos obviously getting injured and him taking a fight in short notice. And remember, I, I was like, should he pull out of this fight? And is this you know, the Sean Sheehan? No, no, but I'm not, no, I'm not saying this, but I was like, should you be managing your career in in such a way that like. It takes away a little bit of risk, and like personally, I think you should be like, I was the one, kind of advocating John Jones a little bit for pulling out of one fifty one. Like, I, I think guys should pull out in that case a little bit more. And obviously, McGregor's not going to do that, and that that's his prerogative, and that's fair enough if you don't want to do that. But like, if we're looking at this from like a bigger picture of the sport rather than just McGregor himself, I think a lot of people probably would have pulled out there. Credit him for not pulling out and for still putting on a show and everything. 
But I think if he had, of, he'd probably be fighting the UFC 200 now. And, you know, things would be, it'd all be swelling dandy <laughs> still. But I don't know. I'm, I disagree. Like, going forward, you, you disagree with what? He wouldn't. I, 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 I think the way that he did it was perfect. And he should never. I'm not saying he shouldn't He should have. never not do it again. I'm not saying he should have pulled out. I'm saying if he had of. Oh, yeah. You know, but I don't think that should ever come into, like, he is setting a unique I think should. reputation an identity for himself by being the guy who won't do it. Do you know what I mean? The oh, yeah, fans that, appreciate yeah. it more. The fighters respect it more. The, do you know what I mean? He's given himself the reputation of the guy who'll fight no matter what. It's yeah. all like, That's why I said I'm a bigger worse, picture of the sport. Uh, I think it's better to be the guy who's a badass that will take an occasional loss out of stuff like that than to be yeah. the guy who pulled out of fights and played a safe career for his whole career. Because you're not... Be. What? Like as someone covering the, the sport, and as someone who like if you're from a fan's perspective as well, I'd agree with that as well. But like from a management perspective, but he's still from... going to be loaded. <laughs> yeah, but if if it starts, you know, if it starts take care of yourself the, as well. If it starts giving him the impression that maybe he's losing his stock, damaging his stock, losing potential revenue from that, then yeah, yeah I can see it being put an end to. But until then, that just means like. Almost everything he played perfectly this weekend. Do you know what I mean? From from when the fight ended onwards. Do you know what I mean? And it's put him in such a good position from here on out. But we're fifty six minutes into the show, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, I think we may have to retouch on some Conor McGregor stuff next week. Yeah. Uh, okay. Have you got a I'll closing le- thought? Um. Yeah. Like. I. I think we've obviously we've given plenty of criticism today. And giving Diaz plenty of praise, which I think is the right way to do it. But, like, <clears throat> you have to say for Bodham as well, after the fight, as you were alluding to there, like, McGregor was all class afterwards, like, as he is even after all his wins as well, so you have to give him that. But I think Diaz was, <clears throat> was all class as well. Like, people, as I said, I said all along, Diaz, under, he's underestimated. I think he's underestimated as kind of as a person too, you know. I don't think he's half as, you know, a bad a guy as people make out. Or, and he's definitely a lot better of a fighter than people make out as well. So, uh, I, like, I thought, like, the way he went over to McGregor, first thing he did, like, was go over and shake his hand. Go over and shake John Kavanagh, Ida Portal, and Rowan Hardy's hands as well. Like, and, like, uh, Irish Irish people are kind of, some person tweeted me the other day and said Irish people are actually more comfortable with losing than they are with winning and that's why like the reaction to McGregor wasn't half as bad maybe as it could have been and I think a lot of people will appreciate the way Diaz treated McGregor as well you know after he beat him and I think he'll have like he's a lot of Irish fans anyway but I think he'll have gained a lot more Irish fans as well for the for the way he acted afterwards I've been a fan of Diaz for a long time to be yeah, fair yeah me too yeah and a part of me, I thought that was a win that he really deserved in, for, for his own career. The Diaz brothers, just to finish on this, the Diaz brothers have long, long, long standing histories of being, oh, well, he came up against the guy who didn't want to fight him. He, they come up against the guy that wrestle-fucked him, that held him down, that played a game to beat him. But Conor McGregor matched Nate's style perfectly to give us the performance that Nate, his fans, his coaches, his training partners all knew he was capable of pulling off but has never been given the opportunity, the stage or the platform to do it. So for him, he's made multi-millions, I assume, from this fight. His stock is now higher than ever and he, he was able to do it in a fight 
that pretty much if if you if Nate Diaz retired tomorrow, I think he'd be the happiest fighter in the world retiring. Yeah. Aside from the fact that he might be broken a couple of years time. <laughs> but like so he, I think it was a perfect own. fight for them, like a yeah. perfect fight for Nick or for Nate. Although I was kind of getting great thoughts about maybe Nick Diaz versus McGregor at one seventy, but yeah, that would be nothing. Yeah. But it's um, it's weird. I I think the last couple of events, like with the two fights there on Saturday and with Robbie Lawler against Condit at UFC 124, they've kind of revitalized. Dan, Dan Stubb said it on on Twitter as well. They've kind of revitalized the MMA world. Like sometimes you can get very bogged down as lots of fights and like a lot of them are kind of shit. Even though the start of this card last last Saturday was terrible, but like fights like that, those two fights at the weekend, like how can you not love this sport? Like it's just oh that title it's just fight, fucking unbelievable. Give me your thoughts. Um, the fight was going as I that we're around about home and and uh, Tate now. The fight was going as I had expected. To be honest, I knew Tate would get a couple of takedowns. I knew she she'd uh, threaten with a lot of takedowns, but uh, home, as I, like I thought home would do exactly what she did, avoid a lot of them, stay well on the outside, too far on the outside, and win rounds. And that's exactly what she was doing. Like, I don't think home did anything special because of the way Tate fought. I thought Tate fought a very wise fight in the fa- in the way that she didn't rush in to home, you know, all the time like Rousey did, which gave home license to use her boxing, which made home fight in such a way that she's going to ha- ha- like have to box with you and have to pick you off. Like, and she fought a, f- fought a winning fight, Tate did, or like a long-term winning fight. Um, even though, like, she almost ended up losing it. But I think that's the only way she probably could have won the fight unless she hit, you know, a big KO punch, which, which is uh, which is unlikely, really. But, you know, for, uh, what I, I was watching, watching it, like, I was, I was watching with Patrick, and I said to him, like, this is the last round in Misha Tate's career. Like, this is the last two or three minutes in her career, uh, in her championship career. I was like, is she going to go for it? Like, what's what she going to do? This is, you know, like, this is shit or boss time at this stage. And she did it, like, and, like, if you can't respect that, you know, I don't know what you can respect. It was, I thought it was a very, very good fight. I thought technically very good fight. Like, Tate showed that she's, like, she can box with a world champion boxer. Okay, she was, she, she was losing for the most part, but she wasn't getting beaten badly or anything like that. Um, She came back, she got the takedown. Like, the way she took uh, Holmes back, like, it, it was just not if that was in the middle of the fight she probably wouldn't have done it she probably wouldn't have taken it like um, home would have ended up standing back up but she knew it was desperado time like she and she took her back and uh, she uh, obviously got in the chalk and choked her out and it was just you know like it was brilliant to see Tate you know she, you know it's like a rocky story really even though she, like she held the belt in strike force and stuff before but everyone kind of wrote her off especially after that second Rousey fight um, like has gonna be kind of the the number two girl always in the UFC, but you know it's it's nice to see when someone you know can make it like that and and, and can uh, can bring themselves to the to the very top, and she she definitely deserved it. I'm gonna throw something out there, Sean. Go on. That was probably the greatest fight that I've ever seen live. I think so. Yeah, and literally going into the fifth. Oh round, no! Whoa, 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 whoa! You were at Robbie Lauder against Rory McDonald. Okay, fair enough. I, I like that's. I was waiting for you to like completely correct me. So I'm gonna have to. <laughs> I was good. I was I'm gonna good. have to re- rephrase what I mean. I'll I'll explain what I mean, and then we'll we'll find out what I was actually looking for. The sentence I was looking for. Okay. Yeah. So 
as you said, Misha Tate had her back against the wall. She blew it in the second round. An absolutely dominating round. One arm under. Rear naked choke locked in. Looked like it was done. In an easier position to finish than the one that she finished the fight from, to be fair. A harder thing to do, like is what she did in the fifth round. And then we saw Misha Tate be Misha Tate and throw the fight away in the third and fourth rounds. When she needed to capitalise, she just couldn't. And it looked like she was beating herself, that she had gotten her own head. This was the downfall of Misha Tate. And fair enough, she tried again, but see you later. Holly Holm is en route to... If she steals the fifth... If Holly wins the fifth round, then it's a clear victory. If Misha wins the fifth round, then it's a draw. Do you know what I mean? She had absolute... In her head, she must have known, I need to finish in this fifth round or it's a draw and I've come all this way again and I don't have a title. Did you see the scorecards? Did they give her the second round as a 10-8? I'm pretty sure every judge gave her the the third round as a 10-8. I will... uh, As I'm talking, I will uh, get it up on my emails because the UFC send out all of the... uh, all of the scorecards and stuff like that. So, uh, home versus Tate. Yeah, go on. Do you think Ronda is going to come back? Um, Apparently she is. She yeah. said texting Dane and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I, I think if she every doesn't... judge scored the second round 10-8. Yeah, every I... judge had identical scorecards going into the fifth round. So, it was Chris Lee, Marcos Rosales... And Glenn Tobridge all had 10 eights in the second round, which is what it was. And I was delighted to see that because we're thinking, oh, which one of them is going to give her a 10 9 for that? Do you know what I mean? And give it a unanimous. Uh, oh, no, not a unanimous. Well, it wouldn't have been, yeah. It would have been way, a yeah. majority draw. So yeah. for me, I was like, okay, that's. Uh, this is do or die time for Misha. And as the clock starts ticking down, you're watching her. She's changing levels, she's throwing strikes. You know that she has one takedown left in her. And she knows she has one takedown left in her. She got it then. As you alluded to, the transition that Misha got onto the back with was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, brilliant. Wizardry level of grappling. And the sort of stuff that you really do only hit when your back's against the wall. And you're thinking, how the shit did I just do that? It's like, I can't do that in the gym. How did I just do that now? That's like... That's the equivalent of making the game winning t- the game winning shot, yeah. or uh, talking about how football's a game of inches. You know, just keep driving forward to get to the end zone. That was the mo- and as we spoke about elite level competition, like uh, competitors and their focus and how active their brain must be at that one time. Do not underestimate what she did in that fight in that round to pull it out in the way that she did. Staying on the back with only one hook in. When Holly tried to somersault out of it, yeah, that was a bit questionable from from Holly to try something like that. Like generally, it, that only goes one way, and it ends with the person taking your back. And it made it look even better for Tate that she did that. That she was then it actually made the second hook get solidified easier, you know. And then she was able to cross her feet, sink the rear naked choke in, and Holly. I think Holm had to do something though. You know, I think she was caught, and she knew she had to kind of do. She, you know, she got desperate as well. She had to do something. But, Two like, hands on one and start pushing her up against the cage. Yeah, don't don't jump forward head first like you're diving into a swimming pool. What, what I thought was the best thing just before that, actually. You know, when Tate kind of got on her back and she had one hook and then... Actually, the way you get someone... Off, I'm, I'm only after thinking of it there. If someone's on your back for a rear naked choke like that, dive yeah. diagonally. Do you know what I mean? Try and make their head go into the mat first. 
yeah. like torpedo yourself into the ground. Like people are too quick just to roll forward and then they can follow. If you want to spike the bitch, spike the bitch. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, in honor of International Women's Day that it is oh, today, Jesus Sean. Christ. You know, but did you see the way like Misha had her right leg hooked and Home did the right thing? She got to the fence and she put herself up against the fence, you know, to stop her getting the hook on the left hand side with her leg. But Tate somehow, somehow still got it. Like she got the choke with one hook. And then Holly, as you say, went desperate and, and tried to spike her. And then she was able to, you know, get it fully on. But the way Misha, like that control Misha had, even when she was getting spiked down like that, she, the way she kept it, I know, like uh, you said, maybe it wasn't the right thing too, but she was very close to coming off Holly's back as well. Like I watched it back again there um, last night. She was very close to getting, you know, to falling off. She did unbelievably well to, to hold on and get the choke. Like, I thought it was an unbelievable comeback because usually I'm, I'm fights, watching the finish now. Yeah. Usually fights don't you don't come back in fights like that. Like when so she was yeah, she was side on. Oh, yeah. I see now. Sorry, yeah. I had a different uh different vision in my head. She was standing side on trying to get and the choke was on like as a as a side choke. And that's yeah. when home went for it and she followed like all she did was it was like she was her shadow. Do you know it was a it was an arc movement of a shadow to turn straight in onto the back. Yeah, she did like that was very good, but um, yeah, like I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch to be honest. If Rousey isn't coming back until um, if Rousey isn't coming back until November, like she said always, I I like I'd like to see that fight again. Uh, but like as I said, I was saying there, you don't you don't win those fights when someone is coast and like that like it's different you know if you're Chelsea and Anderson Silva I think Chelsea kind of had himself you know in a place where he could have got triangled the whole time you know it was a little bit precarious the whole time for him even though he was dominating but the way home was fighting like she, she had getting gotten taken down the second round but then she kind of stopped all takedowns and they'd kind of gone away and she was defending everything well absolutely like picking her off from the outside with the boxing even though Tate was doing okay but you know, the, usually those those fights don't turn, and the way Tay turned it, just like it's a mark of what kind of a fighter she is. Brian Stan said it before the fight that like you can never rule Misha Tate out of a fight, and I think he was dead right. Like he said some a similar thing about um, who was it a few weeks ago, and like I like I didn't really, I I was like what, what's he talking about? Whoever he said I can't remember who it was, but. He turned out to be dead right anyway. And I think he like he's a great man for calling things like that. And I think the Tate, um, the way Tate set in and, and came back to win was just unbelievably good. And it, it's nice to see, you know, her career was kind of it could have been kind of petering out to be somewhat of you know a what she if yeah she wouldn't be remembered as UFC champion. Okay, she's a great strike for her career and stuff, but um. You know, it's. I'm glad to see that her career has got this, and it's got. She can look back in years and say I was a UFC champion. So there we go. Mm-hmm. That was about all we're talking about from UFC 196. Yeah, the rest was fucking terrible. Bar uh, Ishihara, yeah. Taro Ishihara. Am I, I actually that? missed that. I actually missed that fight. What a man! Seen it. He was just looking for the ride. He was chuffed he was fighting in Vegas. In the post-fight scrum, I asked him, how long does he think it'll take him? Or like, is, is he planning on looking for girls tonight? And he's like, "Where?" <laughs> the translation was to ask me, do I know where the girls are at? <laughs> I was like, you absolutely no, Wrong legend. man there, wrong man there. <laughs> yeah. 
I can tell you where, well, like, uh, it's not too hard to find them in Vegas because they're just walking around the streets uh, handing out business cards <laughs> with phone numbers on them. Yeah. What? Jesus, nothing. Let's move on. Uh. Here's a fun fact off topic completely, Sean. Yeah. Actually, no, I'm not even going to say it. It was going to be a joke off your last joke that you tried to make oh, at my expense. Will we, no, I wasn't making a joke at yours, but uh, will we answer a few questions? I suppose so. Oh, I'm not going to make the five o'clock bus at this stage. I'll be getting the six. It's twenty past uh, four. Yeah, you might. Nah, because if I have to edit it and I need oh, to have yeah. a shower and I need to get my wages, so look, yeah. we can we can go at our leisure here. We've got three mm-hmm. interactions. Uh, till we go in here, oh, it's just a picture of me giving you the fingers. Um, you need, need to pull up my uh, Facebook page as well. Oh yeah, like the new Severe MMA Facebook page over here. What, what is it? Is it Severe MMA Pod or what is Severe it? Severe MMA Pod. Yeah. We'll, like my uh, Facebook we'll stick it on Facebook. Sean, That's Sean. You go through the whole, uh, the whole spiel there. When I get your picture, when I get your questions. Yeah, follow up. follow us on. Well, actually, we haven't said it in a long time. If you're listening to this, could you subscribe on iTunes? Uh, last week there was something wrong with the podcast. Last week on iTunes, I think it may have been because we cursed too much and it was they took it down. So hopefully that won't happen Fuck. again. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully that won't happen again. But uh, yeah, subscribe on You're iTunes. Fucking joking me. Somewhere else. Yeah, subscribe on Podcast Republic. Uh, give us a like. Give us a comment. Follow Andrew McGann underscore. Follow Sean Sheen Ba. Follow at Severe Follow at Severe Pod. Um, Facebook dot com forward slash Severe Pod. All of the good stuff. Facebook dot com forward slash Sean Sheen MMA. No, 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 don't ignore that. Which one. is brilliant. I've got loads of compliments over it. I put my thoughts up on it and stuff, putting loads of cool videos. So that's it's probably the best place of all. Um, I can't. See, oh my god, it's on your like page. The questions, isn't yeah. The, I was on your Facebook page there. I was like, pinned oh. to the top. Jesus, you did get a couple of questions. Yeah, good for you. Well, you got six. Yeah. Oh no, you actually got a lot more than six. Right, I'll stick it. Uh, I'll stick it into Twitter now, anyway, and I will just uh, pull up a couple at random. We'll work from the top. Erasing rewind. Adon underscore Olo is his name on Twitter. Do you believe serious questions need to be raised about Connor's gas tank? He looked tired towards the end of the Mendez fight as well. Um, I'm not sure to be honest. I, as I said, there's so many un, unanswered questions. Like obviously he gassed in this fight, but 25 pounds and throwing those big, huge shots are the reasons I think he why he gassed him. Like there could be other reasons as well that we don't know about, but that's what we can see and that's what you know everyone else can see and that's all we can talk about. So, um, yeah, like if Conor McGregor comes in at 155 or 145 and like doesn't throw big huge shots knocking out shots like 18 of them in a round does he tire uh, personally I don't know I, I, I'd say he wouldn't to be honest but you just don't know because he's never been in that situation like his whole career he's never been in, in a situation like that before so um, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see like I, I said on Twitter the next fight is the biggest fight of his career because, like, if he finds he fights Aldo or, or uh, Edgar, I think they're going to be able to put it up to him. And uh, you know, <laughs> like he could get the early knockout again, but like I think it'll probably be a couple of rounds in that fight. And I think that that's a good thing. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people, will, uh, a lot of questions will be answered in those fights. 
Do you think it was a coincidence that St. Pierre showed up on Saturday or was there some sort of plan or discussions in place regarding Connor at UFC 200? That's from Ian Thornton MMA. My first thought was... Oh, me too. I was like, everybody he's, he's stop what fight you're fight. doing. He's coming into the cage after he beats him. Yeah, Smith. me too. Maybe he was. Do we know? We don't know. Mm, not that I know of. No. My phone is ringing. And my yeah, I, see, I hear that. Can you hear it? Yeah. I was wondering why my uh, my mom hadn't wa- hadn't I don't know answered it. Her sure look gone now. She made me a steak sandwich earlier on while we were recording oh, this, so it was kind of uh, kind of good. Um, next question, Sean. Yes. Ian Bain MMA wants to know who has been the biggest dig- disappointment in your life, Eric Silva or Brandon Thatch. It also ties in with Daniel Bradley's question that Thatch is zero three since two thousand and thirteen. Got subbed in every loss. Is he the most disappointing hype prospect in recent memory? Yeah, I'd nearly say Thatch as well because I think Silva was always kind of a, you know, he's a bit of a Thomas Almeida type of, you know, an action fighter. Like, I think Thomas Almeida is a very good fighter, but I wouldn't be surprised if Thomas Almeida got knocked out a few times either. Do you know what I mean? Like, he does action fighters, it always doesn't go well for him like that. Uh, you know, usually it actually doesn't go well for him, but. Um, yeah, I know. I think Thomas Almeida is obviously obviously a lot younger, and I think he's a better fighter than Eric Silva. But yeah, I, I always thought Brandon Thatch was going to be a high level fighter, like top of the division type fighter. But that Benson loss kind of that should have been something that made him get better. But he just really hasn't. I don't think. Um, he for such a big guy, he doesn't use his size well. He doesn't use his range well. Like he fights, he fights a small man's fight for such a big guy, and I don't think. Uh, I don't think that's good. Someone on Saturday night said to me about um, the weight cut and the IV ban and stuff, like because he's such a big guy at welterweight. Maybe that's it. Maybe he might be better off fighting a middleweight. I don't know. But yeah, disappointments. All right, um, just made no improvements over the last few years. Mister Podge, one Mister Podge. Couple of different things there, but. Do you think Connor was throwing everything to knock out Nate due to his reach disadvantage, not allowing him to use his footwork and angles? And did he avoid leg kicks on Nate's lead leg because he was worried about his own knee? It was clearly successful for others in the past. My thought on the second point of that question is that I think he was anxious at the takedown because the Diaz brothers can grab a leg like nothing. And we saw him we saw him do it when he got his takedown in the first round anyway. So I do think fighting someone in your same stance kind of limited Connor's ability in terms of attacking the legs and attacking the body with kicks. I think he just abandoned everything. Like the the first part of that, what was it like his range? I don't think that was it. I think if McGregor had used his footwork and his kicks more, it would have helped with the range. You know, like as I said, I don't think he he actually struggled with range at all or struggled with Diaz's lint at all. I think he was actually winning it, but like. He won it only for a certain amount of time until like he blew out and Diaz could kept could keep going. But I think if he had used his footwork more, if he had been lighting his feet in and out, selecting his shots more, I think like it would have been a, a lot easier of a night for him. And why he did that, only he knows. Was it an injury? Was it you know? Person for me, it looked like he, he underestimated Diaz, but I could be like I could be totally wrong. Will Martin, Will Martin MMA. By the way. I hope you saw his reaction video to... I did, yeah. Hilarious. Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit! <laughs> In my opinion, I think Connor should miss UFC 200. What do you guys think? I don't think so. I don't think he took 
that bad of a beating, really. Like, he got finished really. Like, maybe if it stayed on the feet and he got knocked out, you know, up against the cage, standing or something like that, maybe then. But when he got taken, you know, or when he went to take him down and he got the, he got choked out, I think, you know, he's okay. You know, I don't think there's that much damage on McGregor. He got no spinning. A couple of people asking a similar question, but I just want to shoot it down about Diaz fighting Robbie Lawler. No. Absolutely not. No. Nate Diaz beat a featherweight at 170. Do you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. And he's still more deserving than Tyrone Woodley. Quit your bitching, yeah. Tyrone oh, Woodley. God. Jesus he, Christ. Is he, is he the most annoying fighter in the UFC? He has Probably. Like, I, I was... Uh, they should scrap that Wonderboy and Rory fight and give Rory Tyrone Woodley again. Just to, sh- just just to, to shut, shut him, up him up. And give Wonderboy the title fight. But uh, for Nate Diaz, I think he, Nate Diaz deserves the signings. If you beat a champion, you should get a championship title fight. That's what I think. I think it'd be stupid giving it to him at welterweight because that's not his weight. He is a lightweight. But I think he beat McGregor fair and square. He, uh, you beat a champion, you deserve to get, you know, you deserve to get a uh, something in, in return for it. And I think he should be given the title shot against Asanias now. Would you agree? Oh no, sorry, wrong one. Um, you didn't see that much, or you weren't too impressed with the card. So John Harker's question of were there many fighters who you met that left a good impression and you're now a fan of? I don't know if he means me meeting. Ever? Yeah. Last week, Corey Anderson's a bit of a gentleman. I'll give yeah. him that. Um, what about Ever? Who? Ever. Ever, yeah. Like Tony who's... Ferguson. Cause I, and Crone. I met Crone Gracie, so that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's Crone Heist's Gracie. Heist's nephew. Yeah. What? Heist's nephew you met. No, Crone. Yeah, well, Crone what is Gracie. he? Cousin? What Crone is Gracie. Hickson's son. Yeah. You know Hickson? Hickson. His son. Yeah, yeah. Heist's brother. Hickson Gracie's son, yeah. Oh, so Heist's nephew you met. Yeah, no, Hickson's son. Yeah, Heist's nephew. Yeah, no, Hickson's son. My phone is ringing now. Can you hear that? No, answer it. Oh, my father answered this grand. All right. Um, yeah. Who's the soundest fighter you've ever met, actually? Go on, so ever. Not Irish, we'll say. Max Holloway, I think. Max Holloway? Yeah. My, my boy Dustin Poirier would obviously be my answer. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Shut up, Sean. <laughs> uh, Mookie Alexander wants to know where you surprise motherfuckers. We, we called it last week, kind of, didn't we? Uh, I think, um, to be fair, there was a, yeah. a fair bit of... Uh, uh, the most balanced Irish perspective, I think, definitely from the without, two of us. Without a doubt. Like, remember, you literally asked me, "Would you be surprised the Sunday morning waking up, Conor McGregor being submitted?" And what did I say? No, I wouldn't. So there you go. So there you go. Fuck you, you Graham. We did predict surprised. it. Yeah. Um. Oh, Next for Nate, Steve Hughes, soundly beaten by Desanos, so title fight unlikely. Step up to Lawler or another lightweight contender? Eddie Alvarez, maybe? If he doesn't get the title shot, yeah, Eddie Alvarez, I think, makes sense. But I think he should get the title shot. I think he deserves it. <clears throat> Who do you think the SBG fighter that was offered a contract by Bellator? <sighs> I saw some people saying it was James Gallagher, but that's not confirmed, I don't think. No. Um, so. John said recently turned pro... I would assume that it's James, without a doubt. I and I'd expect an announcement on it fairly, fairly shortly. Maybe it is. So, yeah. Is it? Yeah. That's the type of guy they're they are signing. Fairness, so maybe. Like so, if you didn't say, uh, Peter Queeley, maybe, but he's not recently turned pro. No. But 
so there's that. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It's kind of cool to have an Irish guy in Bellator as well, so we'll have to fucking watch the thing now. Stan Kavanagh wants <laughs> to know if. Did you just say so we actually have to watch Bellator now? Yeah. If Conor, actually, Oh, no. Well, I actually have to go to a Bellator. Do you? Oh, yeah. Well, you if an Irish guy signs. Um, I can't remember his name, but I should be able to remember his name. Joe Warren got the shit beat out of him at the weekend. It was an Oh, my performance. God. It was unreal. We were watching it in Hooters. Got uh, suplexed the bits. Let me just pull up his name because it's not fair not to say his name. Graham and Dave uh, both rate your man very highly. That yeah, he's very, very good. Darian Caldwell. Yeah. Yeah, very good fighter. Um, so check that out. He's 9 and 0 now. Uh, Stan Kavanagh. If Connor fights at 145 and loses, McGregor versus Duffy in Dublin? I was actually thinking about that. Yeah. Like, even if McGregor's, like, if McGregor goes back in the game and goes, look, I can't make one, 145 again, and he has to go, like, I have to build myself up at 155, which, like, is, okay, that probably won't happen, but. Ryan O'Connor was asking for us yeah. to speculate on Bellator as well. So. Yeah. So, like, if that happens, like, if, or if McGregor loses his next fight, I could see him fighting Duffy in Dublin. That'll make a, a good, um, a good uh, show there in the Tree Arena, or Duffy someone like. Uh, probably have. Uh, probably have a win by then as well yeah in between that um john devon john d 79 my question is am i the only 37 year old married man with two kids who felt like crying on saturday saturday night i said probably not no <laughs> most definitely you are not because no. there was 37 year old men crying in the mgm i think uh it, it was it was funny for me watching the fight because i think it was i really thought like this was the first fight ever where like i know for a fact that uh, like I'm seeing the fight from a purely unbiased standpoint because I did like watching, I, it's unfolding in front end. You're thinking yeah. Connor's gonna lose this fight. Yeah, and like I and I wasn't like emotionally. Like I've, you know, for a long time when you're changing kind of from a fan to covering the sport, like it takes a while to not be emotionally invested in it. But I think I'm like all I'm emotionally invested in now is the actual fights and the analysis of the fights. So that like that really brought it home to me at the weekend. It was kind of cool, but like for loads of like i've never seen as many fake facebook statuses it was like conor mcgregor brought us out of the recession and he like he made us so happy as a nation and we have to stand by him now which like and i'm like i like good fans like that no matter who it is like so fair play to him for for saying that but um yeah like i think there was a lot of a lot of his fans disappointed and he's a lot of you know a lot of new fans and a lot of all people who love mma are big fans of him as well so yeah it's uh there was a bit of disappointment all right Mark Toner wants to know, can he become a friend of the podcast? Sure, why not? Hasn't asked the question, though. Yeah. So it kind of defeats the purpose, the, you know, the whole friend of the podcast vibe that we have going on. <laughs> Bad form, Mr. Toner. Mm-hmm. Uh, sound like you're a type of fucking printer or something, I don't know. Yeah, change the toner. <laughs> uh, your friend commented on it, and I don't want to pronounce her last name, Jackie. That's my sister. Is it? Yeah. Oh, well then, how do you pronounce her new last name? Kassan. Kassan. Yeah. When and who do you think McGregor will fight again? And at what weight? I think he'll fight Frank Edgar, UFC 200 at uh, Featherweight. Oshin Sands. Also, how adorable are Conor McGregor and your IFA ever? Yeah, they are, aren't they? Jeez, Isn't like that great? Like BFFs. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you know who are adorable as well? Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold. They're, I describe them as like two friends they're after playing a game of FIFA and they're and arguing why, why, why oh, one yeah. last. I got fucking more shots yeah. than you. Sure. you, you <laughs> got my keeper sent off. Yeah. 
Like, I would, two of I them just... are just hilarious. They're like children that need to be separated at other sides of the room yeah. so the rest yeah. of the kids can keep playing. Like. You could tell they don't even dislike each other. Like, it's oh, just, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Oshin Sands, who's converted to Facebook this time. Great bad. If Cruz beats Faber, what's realistically next for Cruz? If Faber wins, is it a rematch or the Dillashaw grudge match? It could be either. Um, I would rather see the Dillashaw grudge match. I think Dillashaw no real hope of favor beating Cruz. I think Dillashaw needs to fight Asun Sao now. Oh, and the winner of that fights is Cruz. Put him on the same card. Just on the time. No, but Asun Sao, Dillashaw, and Cruz favor on the same card. Um, Tournament. There's one question that you replied to saying we're not commenting on that and now yeah. I really want to know what no, that no, is. No, no, no. We're not commenting on that. I'll did go you... look at it later. Um, <laughs> did you see the question? No. How did you not see it when you see it? No, yeah, I see the question but I don't know what that's in relation to. All right. Oh, so yeah. I haven't seen that. But anyway, yep. John Harker, we'll just finish up with these couple of ones. John Harker would like to know, yes, my sleeping pattern has recovered. Has yours, Sean? <laughs> No. Oh wait, no, you went to bed at 11 o'clock this morning <laughs> No, Sean like hasn't gone, uh, gone back yet No, I slept 10 hours of an 11 and a half hour flight to London yeah. the other night So that was brilliant Graham rang me at 7 o'clock this morning Yeah, I got, <laughs> I got a phone Sprite call off at half nine And I was like, is there something wrong, Graham? That you're up at this hour And he's like, yeah, I slept for 20 hours there <laughs> <laughs> What a man Um from Andrew's experience, what are the five essential things to bring to a UFC weekend in Vegas? A camera, a microphone, <laughs> a red and black check shirt, <laughs> a pair of shorts, and yellow. Oh, my yellow pair of shorts and my Team Taras hoodie, which I lost in Vegas airport. I've also lost my wallet as well. I don't know. I have no idea where that is. It's in some airport. Do I have a question here? Just tweeted me from Craig Milch. Uh, he said, "Is Ido Portal versus CM Punk the dopest matchup you can make in oh years?" Oh my god! Hashtag would watch. Who is that friend? Automatic friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast, Craig Milch at C Milch on Twitter. Follow that man. Let's everyone just follow that. that man right now. Let's just pretend we come up with it. Yeah, Ido Portal against CM Punk it has to happen. Unreal! I'm a big fan of that. Me too. Um. Finally, Sean, there was one question from John Balf that I saw earlier on. To what extent, if any, do you think that Ronda Rousey's eventual MMA return will be influenced by the result of home versus Tate this weekend? Yeah, if Tate it. wins, do you think we'll see Ronda back sooner because of a title fight with Tate is, in theory, a less significant psychological test than a potential home rematch? John Balf called it and knocked it out of the park. Where mm-hmm. do you stand on that? I can't even remember what I wrote to him in my reply, but... I think it was somewhere along the lines of... Um, Since the home fight, I've been very sceptical about Ronda coming back. I'm yeah. not reading through that. Fucking yeah. hell, basically, yeah, Basically, my point was, if Ronda comes back, she'll want to have a challenge to come back in front of her. And I, like, I don't think we should, Well, maybe she will now looking at us. I could have been wrong. But like, I think she'd rather... She'd rather wait and take her time and come back in November because she knows she can beat Misha and like they're probably not going to do the rematch. So if to get Misha someone else, she'll probably win and she knows she can come back and it'll, it'll be waiting for her. But I think it depends on movie roles as well. As I said, I think I said in that reply, um, 
like if the movie roles dry up, she's probably going to come back. Or you know, a lot of things have been put back, and she's had roles uh, lessened and stuff. So I think I've always said I I think her comeback depends on how well the movie career is going. Like, and you know, if it goes well, we might never see her again. There you go. So an eventful week, Sean. Yeah. An eventful, Great week of fights. Uh, so it turns out I actually could have made the bus. But your luck. These things happen. It's 4.36 now on this lovely Tuesday afternoon. I'll get the 6 o'clock bus and then have to sprint to the studio. But it's all in good fun. It was worth it for this. was. Because uh, I enjoyed our breakdown. There were other fights on the card. Who cares? We'll be back okay. to normal next week. This was ultimately the Conor McGregor show and the Misha Tate show. Yeah. So we're, um, I'm happy enough with that decision. Me too, yeah. Anything else? Oh, what about Cage Warriors announcing a card? Oh, yeah. Paddy Pimlin, my boy. He's not fighting Reds or... Bullshit. Bullshit. Well, that's because Reds are signed with Bama. I know, but still, that doesn't matter to me. I want want to see the fights. So here's my question. Go on. If Reds are assigned to Cage Warriors... Yeah. And a week after they've announced a fight, do you think this event is going to happen? And the, like, I'm just looking at this from a complete theoretical speculation point of view. Yeah. There was a week between the announcements of Reds are signing for Bama and Cage Warriors announcing fights. Surely there was discussion between Team Rhino and Cage Warriors, Bama have floated us a contract. So the response would have been, but we're definitely having a show in April and he's going to be on it. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know, like for me... That's that's a selling point. That's okay. Yeah, fine. I'm staying with Cage Warriors. And I'm going to fight there in April. So for me, until these fighters weigh in on the scales on Friday before the event, yeah, there has to be questions. Like you have to be worried. Is it going to stay together? Yeah. And well, we know we know Reds are listening to the show. So a lot of Reds are for listening. Yeah, do you remember the time we said something about him going to oh, Japan? Oh, yeah, sure. And he's like, what the who, fuck are you boys talking yeah, about? Yeah, <laughs> who'd send me to Japan? Oh, great man. But um, like, I, I do think he has made the right decision in terms of the frequent amount of time that he'll be able to fight. Because fair enough, you do that April show, you've no idea when the next Cage Warriors one is going to be. So maybe that was the factor that prompted him to, to go with Bama. Because at least you know you're going to have guaranteed cards against probably the best opposition that they can find for you in Europe. Yeah. So, um, definitely. But actually, did you see uh, Ariel's interview with Diego Sanchez from the weekend? No. Oh, you have to go and watch it. It was just so brilliant. What about um, Ariel wearing my shirt yesterday for the first time he? ever? Actually, wearing a red and something check shirt. Ah, uh, sure. He's God's recognized God, Sean. That's what he was doing. <laughs> Swagger decking, yeah. But uh, Tom Lawler as well. But he's obviously he's McGregor thing at the wins, and then he's um. His uh, walkout, it was Gredo, I believe. Um, what was his walkout? It was uh, that song, um, Madonna song. When you call my name, it's like a little prayer. But do you know, do you, have you heard of that wrestler, Gredo? I can take you there. He's a Scottish, he's this Scottish wrestler. Um, I've seen him before because there was a documentary on BBC and I watched it. It was fucking brilliant. But now he's like, he's apparently blown up and he's huge on the independent scene. Fuck. Yeah. And um, Tom Holler, he did that that walkout in one of his thing, one of his shows to that song and Tom Holler did it as an an ode to him. Homage. Um, Homage. Homage. Yeah. Great word. Yeah. Um, So that's it. That's the crack. 
you want to get in touch over the next week, <laughs> what? What was that big slow? <sighs> Just that it's over. I'm disappointed. I feel was... like I did. I feel like we barely scratched the surface. Yeah. I wrote down a shitload of notes and times, and I never got to use them apart from my my five in one minute thing. Yeah. But your luck. I think like the last few, the last while has revitalized my love for MMA. I have to say. Really? Like that was yeah, it really has. It was fucking that card at the weekend. That, those two fights were just brilliant. Like I tell you what, I completely agree with you. It was a perfect weekend for live mixed martial arts. The the atmosphere, the stories, the tensions were just all perfect. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I think uh, there's another wee trip planned in the works, Sean. Is there Croatia in four weeks' time? Are you going to Croatia? So it Fuck looks. It. It'd be class. So it seems. More news on that soon. Good news. Do you know, I put up on Twitter as well that there's kind of been a, a renaissance of people enjoying fights rather than getting bogged down in the results too much. And not so much with the McGregor fight, but with, like, especially the the Tate and uh, home fight and with the, uh, those two epic Robbery Lawler fights. And I think... Like, we're so lucky in MMA to have fucking so many unbelievable fights, you know, happening so regularly. And, uh, uh, like, I think we need to appreciate this. Time. Like, remember people kind of think back and, oh, you remember the Brock Lesnar era was so good and the Chuck Liddell era was so good. Like, we're in a golden era now of MMA. We and fucking enjoy it. Like, you know, it's, it's just the fights happening at the moment are the best fights, you know, that have ever happened in, uh, in fighting. So... Enjoy it. Tune in to us talking about it. I have one other thing. Go on. I was really happy that Misha Tate made the red boxer brief night joke at the press conference. I missed that, didn't you? Yeah, because then I didn't look as much of a pig for tweeting, the real winner in this fight is Brian Caraway. (laughs) So at least Misha made a reference to him getting the ride that night. And I wasn't (laughs) just the lone misogynistic dickhead in the corner. like dirty man bastard, I believe that's what they call you. You Scumbag. Anyway. <laughs> stealing there, stealing from you there, Sean, I'm sorry. If uh Are you still laughing? Yeah. Alright. Oh, <laughs> if God. only people knew, if only people knew all the great work and effort that goes into this. Like literally we, we record on tapes and I spend hours cutting the cassette together yeah. and sticking it together. So you don't know where we've edited this at all. No. No. <gasps> Like a little friend down on my knees. I wanna take you there in the midnight. Hour. I don't know the rest of that word, so we can't actually sing that off. So I'm actually, uh, I'm sorry about that. But if you want to get in touch with maybe any song suggestions to finish off next week's mm. podcast, if you want to send us any of your PayPal details, we'd also really appreciate that. Or Sean just set up a Western Union account, LimerickBoy49. So if you want to send that to him as well, then uh, we'd appreciate any donations that you want to send our way. Until then, if you have any questions, thoughts, complaints, misgivings, forthcomings, or any personal problems in your life, then please send us a message at Sean Sheehan MMA on Facebook. That's for the personal problems. But for any podcast-related questions that I have to see before next week, at Severe MMA Pod on Twitter, at Severe MMA on Twitter, at Sean Sheehan BA, at Andrew McGahan, Severe MMA Pod on Facebook, Severe MMA Everywhere, Ginger Beer Design. And that's about it. Mm. Any other cracks, Sean? What are you doing today? Fuck all. Uh, Going back to sleep. Yeah. Probably probably pass out on the couch there in about 20 minutes. 20 minutes time. Before yeah. the Angelus. Before the Angelus, yeah. yeah. Well then, uh, everyone have a great week. And? We'll see you next week. <laughs>